If you have fallen asleep at 7.30 on a Friday night, you might be a teacher. Teaching is crazy, fun, exhausting, challenging, rewarding, and did I mention crazy? And as Catholic school teachers, we are also entrusted with imbuing Catholic identity. It's a huge responsibility, but fortunately for us, there is Finding God, the amazing K-8 faith formation program from Loyola Press. It's innovative, engaging, and the most inclusive and complete program we've ever used. Multimedia? Check. Scripture? Check. Family resources? Check. Bilingual? Check. And don't forget, posters, worksheets, quick start guides, apps, magazines, lesson plans. Seriously, Finding God has all you need and more. Pray about it. Visit FindingGod.com and order a sample. Finding God might not help you stay awake later on a Friday night, but it will help you sleep better knowing you're helping guide kids toward a faith-filled life. Catholic Teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen. Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. I'm Jill. I'm here with Colleen. We are grateful to be together again to laugh, explore, and connect. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. Colleen, how are you today? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Um, what I just did there, I called out your name, Colleen. Hey, Colleen. And we talked to each other <laughs> using each other's names and you can't see us, but we are virtually looking at each other. And this is a little bit harder for this generation. What do you what do you think about kids at the mm. dinner table in the classroom? Um, do you think over time kids are getting better or worse at being able to talk and have a group conversation? Oh, my gosh, it's. I think it's a lot harder now than certainly it used to be. Like, you know, I think I started teaching so long ago before technology, you know what I mean? So kids were used to um, talking on the phone and being together with their friends and talking to each other and, you know, talking through everything. Um, My kids grew up talking to their friends online through video games. Mm -hmm. They had games playing in front of them instead of their friend's face in front of them. Um, So I, you know, I know they just, they do communicate differently. Mm -hmm. And so um, probably I'm guessing you're, you're probably going to try to explore here. So how does that translate into the classroom when we have a generation of kids that has grown up communicating differently than previous Mm -hmm. generations. And what's crazy. So this idea comes from Our Lady of Consolation School in Rockford, Michigan. And I first saw this concept um, that, and you can Google this concept, accountable talk in the classroom um, is a strategy to use um, for whole class discussion. So it's a protocol. I love protocols of how to guide (laughs) students through conversation. So they're not waiting to be called on and then responding back to you as teacher and then waiting to be called in, called on and then responding back to you as teacher. So um, this was a middle school concept. I saw it practiced in both social studies and in English class. And it was a way for students to look at each other instead of looking back to the teacher when they were posed with a discussion question about something they were reading or something they were studying. So a lot of it sounds like, you know, it's not the teacher posing a question and then you wait for hands to go up and then you wait for some wait time and then you call on someone and then you have a second wait time before you give a response. Like it's not that give and take. It's, it's okay. The question we prepared to discuss is this. And then students start to add on to each other. 
So they would first say, oh, yes, Miss Annabelle, um, I thought about that question by thinking about da, 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 da. And then someone would raise, sort of raise their hand or look to each other. So kids look at each other and then they say things like, um, okay, Susie, I agree with you. And I want to add blah, 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 blah. And then someone would raise their hand and say, Carlos, I don't, I don't know that I just, if I agree with your point here, because I learned that, da, 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 da. So you are, you are learning to look at each other, jump in when you appropriately want to jump in, use each other's names. And then it, you're using some sentence stem, sentence stems or prompts to get your sentences in a place that you are conversing. Now, I was at a dinner party just a few nights ago. It was like a big, it was a big event. But adults know how to do this. They know how to sit around in conversation and look at each other and jump in at their turn and to use each other's names, even if they just learned each other's names and to like just um, to disagree maybe on some big things like politics or religion, but still be able to have a conversation in a casual way. And so this sort of concept of accountable talk gives you some moments to have bigger conversations with kids, but not wait for the teacher to validate each opinion and then choose who gets called on next. So there's a lot of variations here for different grade levels. But what I observed was middle school history and ELA. Um, and it's just basically using a protocol for a class conversation. So the teacher isn't talking the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is interesting. Now I, I, my major in college was, it was secondary education with a concentration in English. So I'm a trained, yeah. you know, middle school, high school, English teacher. And so we studied Socratic method, you right. know, and so when I, you know, be, became a teacher, um, that was just something that we always practiced was, you know, you, you learn how to lead a discussion, um, in a way that doesn't, that doesn't always put yourself at the center of it. And so as I'm listening to you, um, describe what you observed, a couple of things are popping into my head. And I know here's a recurring theme for me because, you know, I'm like obsessed with classroom setup. Mm -hmm. So the environment itself is going to either foster or um, be a barrier to certain types of interactions within a classroom, right? So it really sets the tone. And when I think about, you know, when, when I was growing up, there were only a couple of classrooms that I sat in um, probably until I got into high school, but even still in high school, there were probably only a handful of classrooms I sat in that were not desks in rows. And so how do you, if you are trying to uh, facilitate conversation among students and not you be at the front of the class asking a question, having a student answer it, and then the teacher asks another question and that another student answers it. If you really want them interacting with each other and answering one another's questions and actively listening to each other so that they can respond, they do need to be able to see each other's faces. And that doesn't happen when desks mm -hmm. are in rows. So you do have to reflect on what your room looks like first you of all. You do, but let me, with, let me share. So I, I've been in, I have two images in my mind. One is, um, mm -hmm. I don't remember which classroom this is, but it was like, okay, today we're doing Socratic circle, da, da, da. so they moved some chairs around and they knew that they were going to yes. be doing some mm -hmm. questions and answers and they're going to discuss literature because I got to a certain point in the book where they were going to do the protocol that they learned for Socratic circle. But the original example about accountable talk, it was a relatively um, 
traditional classroom, but the teacher would pipe in. So teachers kind of toward the front and pose the the opening question. And then as the kids started to volley the answers around the room, she would stop them and say, oh, nope, stop. You have to turn and look at him. So even though they're in sort of traditional spots and they would sort of raise their hand a little bit to each other, like they wanted to pipe in next, they would physically turn their body around and, um, you know, you could see a lot more eye contact happening than everyone staring up to the front of the room to see if the teacher was going to nod or validate or say, oh, yes, great yeah. point. Like, so you're, you're really closing down on yourself, saying all these validating things and letting them respond to each other, which is really hard if you're used to being yeah. the one who is right. Um, oh boy. Yeah, that, that is true. That is true. Okay. But uh, so uh, letting it, letting go and seeing where the conversation goes. Yeah. I think letting go and then, and then using enough protocol that you, I mean, Mm -hmm. at some point someone needs to, you know, facilitator. So teacher, teacher as a facilitator probably pipes in with the next question or to summer, you know, there's some roles you can play here to get, you know, to keep it moving on a timeline, timekeeper, facilitator, someone's got to be moderating. Um, but that doesn't mean that you are the keeper of every knowledgeable point. Now, if there's, if there's invalid things going on, if there's, you know, whether you assigned a fact checker or you assigned, um, whatever it might be, uh, you may need to, I mean, of course we're going to jump in if something invalid is being said. Um, but that doesn't mean that every single comment coming from every single student needs, needs a teacher's, um, praise before it moves on. And I think that's the practice we're all, we all can be stuck on. For sure. And, you know, there are students who are absolutely masterful at derailing the discussion. Of course. You know it. The, the, that's, it's like a role, the, the discussion derailer. <laughs> we, we all know who that, who that student yeah. is. Um, so, yeah. So, so it's, it, as a, a teacher, it's facilitating and keeping the conversation uh, somewhat on the right track so that it doesn't completely go off the rails. I would say, I would say so, most teachers, we didn't really talk about what does this look like in kindergarten or in college. Like we didn't talk about the whole oh. range. However, mm-hmm. I will say as a teacher, like your, your kind of homework, your mental homework is check, check out Google Accountable Talk or Google Socratic Circle or Socratic Method and just to, just to mm-hmm. check yourself backward. Like I know that as teachers, you've all learned these methods, but self-reflect for a moment and say, well, which of these strategies have I used that I like? Which of these maybe sentence starters or protocol stems could help facilitate your next conversation in class? And which classroom practices, like Colleen's talking about, well, how's your room set up? And then I'm giving the simple solution, which mm-hmm. isn't the, the be all end all, which is, well, have kids turn their head and make eye contact. But think it, check yourself <laughs> against this because I think there's a, there's a wide range of good. And so we can think of lots of different classrooms on this one, but, um, we're out of time. So, <laughs> so, but that's kind of the, the homework the to self is like, you're, you, we've all done this. Every classroom has this, but, uh, how account, you know, how, um, how purposeful are we with this? So thank you. Yeah, how structured is your protocol? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the energy boost. As we love exploring your ideas and affirming your efforts, keep the suggestions coming in. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk more about how students talk with each other. And these ideas are coming from fellow teachers. We will see you next time.